How many of y'all believe that? God will never fail? Amen. We came here today to worship God. Sunday is for worship only. Absolutely. It's so great to be here. Such a great, great, great day. Um, just letting you guys know that the worship team up here, uh, the, when we got here this morning, it was like the Catalyst Infirmary. All right, so being a, the graceful person that I am, I dropped a stack of chairs on my toe, probably broke it, so I was limping around this morning. Uh, Adam is not feeling great. Uh, Jerry is just Jerry. And so, <laughs> but so this morning, we were like the walking wounded this morning, and uh, and. Uh, yeah, JK is like the only healthy one up here. Emily and, and Rachel are just fantastic. But anyway, so when JK got everyone together and said, you know, I was going to ask what needs prayer, but I think I already know. So, uh, so anyway, the people up here serving, um, we're serving because we love God and because we love you and because we want to do our best for God and we want to connect with, uh, get God connected with you all the best that we can. And so it's no sacrifice at all, um, but it was just really funny this morning. Like, everything hit this morning. It was great. And so, uh, yeah, if you see me limping around, that's why I'm just not very graceful, I guess. But anyway, so we are in a series called Exponential. We're finishing up today, and I'm very, very excited about what we're talking about today. Um, and I hope that you guys will get a hold of it, and then I hope that you guys, everybody, make a special effort to be at Lake Mingo today. We need each other. We need Christian fellowship, and, and the people that do well in this world are people with good, deep friendships, and, and the churches that do well are ones that emphasize community, so we really want you guys to be there and just have a great time. Just get to know people, have a great time, and, and that, that's it. All right, so uh, we are in a, uh, a series called Exponential, and today we're talking about the sixth one, move to the right. And the main thing, like J.K. said, is Christianity is like riding a bicycle. If you're not moving forward, you're falling off. Um, now, one of the very few things that Facebook is good for, there's this group on Facebook called Abandoned Kentucky. I highly recommend you guys join it. It's really cool. What it is is just a bunch of people who have found abandoned old buildings and abandoned old uh, movie theaters and homes and everything and pictures of old cars that have just been left out in the middle of nowhere and they picture it. And what's amazing is that people say, hey, I recognize that. I grew up in that house. Let me tell you about it. It's really, really cool. But I found some pictures that I'd like to share with you guys here. This, this, this house right here, uh, go, the one behind it. Uh, if you go back to the first one, I'm sorry. Yeah, that one right there. I'm just trying to imagine what a beautiful house that used to be. You know, isn't that amazing? The turrets and everything like that. And, and now it's just, it's just kind of sitting there. And inside it, it looks like this. Um, that's the inside of that house. And I, I just wonder how many people have walked up that, what kind of life was lived in there. There, there are chairs sitting there. What if people played cards at that table there? You know, what kind of life was lived in that? And then this one right here, look at that old TV. How many of y'all had a TV like that? Ah, yeah. Yeah, the kids are like, What's, what, what, uh, why is it, you know, this thing, you know, why is it a flat screen? And, uh, and the floral print, the floral print chair. Yeah, everybody's grandma had a floral print chair. Yeah. Uh huh. And this one right here, look at the plaid couch. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, straight out of the 70s. Yeah, uh huh. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, look at in the next one right here, look at the corded phone. The next one. Oh, well, I'm sorry, the TV with legs. Okay? 
Okay, now remember you had VHF and UHF, and if the president was on, your night was sunk, right? It was on everything, and then at 12 midnight, what happened? The, yep, yep, the national anthem was played, and then it went off, exactly right that. So, and the next one, look at that. Look at that, that a corded phone on the wall. Now, this is a high-tech one because it doesn't have one of those zig you know, You know, my best friend in high school, his phone number, don't call it because they don't live there anymore, was 269-9900. So you had to plan. You had about 30 minutes before you called him, you know, the zig you know. So anyway, but anyway, that is just kind of a relics. A, a, a kind of a, a, a things that have happened. How did these homes and how did these things get like this? Simple. They were left alone. See, all that has to happen for a new house to turn into this stuff is nothing. See, the, 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 the law of entropy states that things left to themselves move from order to disorder. In the same way, all we have to do for our faith to resemble these houses and these rooms. The only thing you have to do in order for your faith to look like that is nothing. Nothing. If you aren't actively maintaining your home, it's deteriorating. If you're not actively maintaining your car, it's deteriorating. Cars do not get better with age. Uh, if you aren't actively maintaining your faith, it's disintegrating. If you're not constantly engaging in Christian fellowship, if you're not studying the word, if you're not listening to sermons, if you're not giving worship to God regularly, your faith is disintegrating. It will soon look like those sad things that we just saw. Your marriage, parenting, health, these things don't stay where they are. If you aren't moving forward, you're falling off. And the Apostle Paul got this. He said in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a message that what I'm about to say is really, really relevant to the younger folks, but it's also really, really relevant to the older folks too. I'm going to tell you the secret to life. All right, the secret to life. You guys ready for it? Okay. Secret to life is that it is this, is that there is no life waiting to be found. Your life is waiting to be created. And we create our lives. We create ourselves in the things we commit ourselves to. Now, I was a psychology major in, in, high, in, in college. I was going to work for the FBI, work in criminology, so I was really into psychology. And one of the things that they taught us uh, in 1994, the, the, one of the greatest studies of counseling and therapy came out. It was called the Heinz, Hans Einzink study, and it was a classical studies in the field of counseling. And it really found some interesting stuff. Check this out. If you are emotionally messed up, and I can see that that might apply to, you know, some of the folks in here. All right? If you go to a psychoanalyst, a Hans Einzig study found, you have a 44% probability of being better at the end of one year. If you go to a, uh, a psychotherapist, you have a 53% chance of being better at the end of a year. If you go to a psychiatrist, you have a 61% chance of being better 
at the end of a year. If you go to no one at all, said the study, you have a 73% chance of being better. Okay? Now, why is this? This was a groundbreaking thing, and it, it basically dropped a bomb on the psychology department there at Center College because we found out that what we were doing really wasn't helping people. As a matter of fact, the people that are supposed to help us are, seems to be working against us. Why is that? Well, I believe this, is that this, the, the counseling and psychology and all this kind of have tended to neglect the core basis of the gospel. See, okay, um, there, now there are, all, there are good counselors and bad counselors, and many people have benefited. I'm not knocking counseling, I'm not that. But the, the therapists and counselors tend to ask the wrong question. They all ask the same question, this. What has happened to you in the past that has gotten you here? Okay, the, the typical Freudian uh, uh, counselor or the guy laying on the couch talking about his childhood, you know, conjured up image, and people will pay all kinds of, of, of money, uh, you know, 50, 100 bucks an hour, for 20 years, it seems like, and they never seem to get any better. Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ has a radically different starting point. It does not ask what has happened to you to get you this way. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, where are you going in the future? When I was at, like I said, when I was at Center College, we had a professor that was really, really into this psychology. He was a psych professor. He was a Freudian. Okay, he was a brilliant man. And there's nothing more entertaining than watching a brilliant man trying to expound on a stupid premise, okay? All right, so his big thing, his big thing was toilet training. That was his big thing. And, uh, and I remember sitting in one of his lectures one time, and he said this, and I, I'm, I'm remembering, you know, it's been, been, you know, almost 30 years, but I'm remembering the conversation because it was so burned into my, into my mind. He said, the first, he goes, young people, the first demand that a society makes on an individual is toilet training. And, I mean, that's right, okay? That's the first thing they tell you to do when you're a little kid. And he goes, he says, the mother becomes symbolic, of all the demands that society will make on an individual. He was always talking about mothers. He's a big Freudian. We're always hearing about mothers. We asked him what a Freudian slip was one time. He said, well, that's when you say one thing, but you mean a mother. I mean, another. Uh, yeah. And so uh, uh, he says, the mother becomes the conveyor of all the demands that society placed on an individual. And, and watch she pleads for compliance. Do it for mommy. You know, do it for mommy. And then he said, and then rebellion is bred in the individual as the child says, no. And then he said, the child works on it and works on it. I mean, my classmates are listening to this stuff. Okay? And then he says this, and I'll never forget this. He said, then the child produces the gift. I've never heard it described as a gift before, all right? And then he says this, and what, I ask you, does society do with this gift that, that it has produced? Does it honor it? No, the child learns that nothing it ever produces for society will mean everything because it is flushed. My classmates are writing this stuff down. I say, man, the only guy producing gifts here, buddy, is you. Okay, there's a lot of gifts being produced in this lecture and, 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 but as I walked out of there, guys, I really began to think, are we simply products? Are we just Pavlovian dogs 
that are victims of what has happened to us in the past, that, that what has happened to us will just simply determine who we are, and if we can't get over the past, then we will just sentence to this life as described by this professor. This guy would say so. But the gospel tells us a very different story. The gospel tells us that far more important than what has happened to us is what is going, where we are going in the future. I've known people who have been in therapy for years and not gotten any better. I've also known people that are just really struggling, really struggling in life, and then all of a sudden just a switch is turned on because they get turned on to some great, grand vision that God has for them. All right? Just really floundering. And it wasn't because they understood their past, because they got turned on to some great future, some great vision, and they went towards it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taking hold of it. I haven't taken hold of who God wants me to be yet. I haven't made it yet, and I probably won't. On this side of heaven, I probably won't be who God wants me to be. But one thing I am doing, I'm forgetting what has happened to me in the past, and I am straining towards what God wants me to do. And guys, that is a person who is growing. I'm shifting my focus, Paul said, from the past to the future and focusing all my time, all my energy, all my passion on that great vision and purpose God has given me. And that, that is what helps you overcome the past. If you are struggling with what has happened to you in the past, I, I sympathize with you. I'm not minimizing that at all. But the more you stay there, the more you're going to stay there. I want to suggest to you that you grab hold of what the gospel says and instead of, instead of dwelling on where you've come from, Let's take the words of the Apostle Paul, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Let's put our, let's put our, our, uh, our focus on that. And you say, ah, oh, you make it sound so easy. Well, there's a problem. The problem is that great grand vision and great purpose requires something. And that something that it requires is something that is very unpopular in American society today. It's laughed, it's mocked, it's degraded, it's, de it's demeaned, it's, it's moved away from. Some people avoid it at all costs. That thing is commitment. Commitment. Your purpose, point two, your purpose and your vision are nothing without commitment. First Kings 18.21, uh, the prophet Elijah was struggling to do ministry in Israel. Israel had abandoned God, and they're going after a false god named Baal. There were only 7,000 people in the entire nation of Israel that still were faithful to God. Only 7,000. Can you imagine only 7,000 Christians in the entire United States? That's what it was like. And so he got all, he got all the, the nation there in front of him, and he said this, in 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah went for the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Quit doing the spiritual splits. Try, stop trying to put one foot in each camp. And follow one or the other. Make your commitment one way or the other. Elijah calls him on it. You're committing spiritually adultery. A spiritual adultery, Israel. The nation of Israel was floundering around because they couldn't commit their ways to God. Jesus says it in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus tells us to stop with the spiritual adultery. If you're two-timing God, Jesus tells us, you need to make your commitments. Because without commitment, this great grand vision is never going to happen. So you guys, a real breakthrough in our lives, hear me when I say this, the real breakthrough in our lives happens when we realize that most of the problems we experience in life, and I know there are a lot of them out here today, most of the problems we experience in life are the direct result of our inability to commit to the things we know Jesus wants us to do. I was listening to Pastor Tony Campalo. He was speaking to a bunch of young people, and he said this, you cannot find yourselves, kids, you can only create yourself. And you create yourself by what you commit yourself to. And I've worked with a lot of young people, both coaching soccer, youth ministry, you name it. I've been around teenagers since I was one. And uh, a lot of them want to find themselves. That's the big thing these days. And they all look the same place, you know, Boulder, Colorado. You know, you'd think that with all the people going to find themselves, someone would find themselves, but they don't. They all come back frustrated and depressed because they weren't able to find anything. Well, there's no self waiting to be found. Whether there's a, rather, there's a self waiting to be created, you all. And we create ourselves in what we commit ourselves to. I would make the argument, and I believe that I could back it up, that your life is the sum total of the things you've committed yourself to. That's it. And if you are a, commi a commitment phobe, like I hear about so many of the young men today from the young ladies, a commitment phobe, then you're going to find that you have nothing. You'll reach middle age and you realize you haven't built anything. You have no life. That's the cause of a midlife crisis, you all. We have people who would rather just stay free and not commit to anything. So they go to church, but they never join a church. They date, but they never marry. They have acquaintances, but no real friendships. Because those things take commitment, and we're commitment adverse. Averse. Right? It's very, very sad. You know, most friendships last about seven years. Why do friendships end after seven years if they make it that far? Well, it's very, very simple. A lot of reasons, but plain and simple fact is, and I think most of us would admit it, we're just not very good at being friends. We don't call, we don't text, we don't put anything into the friendship uh, we, 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 because friendship takes commitment. And we, because we're not really into that, we don't have friends. Americans have to be the loneliest people on the planet. It's so sad. I'm about to go to Nepal in October and they got nothing. They got stick huts and, and, and if, they're happy, if they got food for the day, they're happy. But you know what they do have? They have friends. They have real, genuine friends that they do everything together. And I'm jealous, y'all. I wish I had friends like they did. I really do. And probably so do you. But friendship takes commitment. People don't get married because, because commitment takes, I mean, marriage takes commitment. And we're just not into that. People are having fewer and fewer children these days. Now, the birth rate is the lowest it's been in American history because parenthood takes commitment. And we don't, we're just not into that. 
And so all these things that we think are weighing us down or are, or are stifling our, uh, our, our, our groove, we, we find out later on that we really have nothing because we've committed to nothing. Okay? I would argue that our lives are the sum total of the commitments that we make. No more and no less. If you have no commitments, you have no life. And lastly, people don't commit to Jesus Christ because they're afraid of commitment. They don't follow Jesus, and they have nothing. Well, I want to suggest that we change that. I want to I suggest that we radically change that, and we get serious about committing to the things that Jesus says are important, that we commit ourselves with no reservations, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. We commit ourselves to the things that Jesus wants us to commit ourselves to and watch this, watch our lives just get turned on, watch our lives become purposeful, watch our lives become meaningful, watch our lives start to produce things that will matter for eternity. It's only done through what we commit ourselves to. Christianity, number three, is like riding a bicycle. If you're not moving forward, you're falling off. You're becoming like one of those houses in the abandoned Kentucky Facebook group. Becoming like one of the rusted out cars sitting in the middle of the field that's been left. If you're not moving forward, you're falling off. I want to pull up a graphic. It's, it's, this, is, this, is the, this is the move to the right graphic. Check this out. This is not a political statement. We're not becoming more politically conservative. That's not what move to the right means, okay? Any, any of you guys that were really fired up, sorry to dash your hopes. That's not what we're doing here, okay? If you guys see, there are five words there, casual, crowd, community, core, and committed. And there are five categories of people, and every, hopefully we've got all five here. Now, the thing is, is to determine where you are and move to the right, okay? Let me explain what that means, okay? Keep, keep that graphic up there if you don't mind. Okay, on the far left there, we've got the casual. The casual crowd, the casual group, are people that have, have no affiliation with our church at all, okay? They, they may have visited one time, may have watched us online, but they have no, no connection to our church at all. That's the casual, okay? The next group is the crowd. These are people that have visited at least twice, Okay, not once, twice. You've, you've been here, you like what you saw, you came back, but that's, that's the extent of your commitment. Been here twice, okay? That's the crowd. The community, these are our members. These are people who call Catalyst Christian Church our home, the, the, the church home. This is your church family. This is your spiritual home. You've been baptized. You uh, are, are in a community group. Uh, you, uh, the, that's, that's where the, that's the community, okay? The next one is the core. The core are, are people who are members here, all those other things, but they're serving. They're active workers. They're chair three people. They're working. They're serving in, in a ministry somewhere. They're on the worship team. They're, they're in the children's ministry. They're ser- volunteering in youth ministry. They're, they're going on, on, on mission trips and things like that. That's the core, okay? 
And then the committed, these are the people that are disciple makers, the chair four. These are the people that are future leaders. These are maybe people going to ministry. These are people that are running ministries or starting ministries or, or anything like that. And they are actively making disciples out of the casual and helping move people through the move to the right. So the question is, where are you and what do you need to do to move to the right? Remember, Christianity is like a bicycle. If you're not moving forward, you're falling off. If you, are, if you just sat in the crowd, or if you sat in the community for 20 or 30 years, you're not moving forward, you're falling off. Okay? So here's, here's, the, here's the thing. So I, you got some questions. All right? I'm in the casual. Let's say that, that, that you're in the casual group today. This, maybe this is your first time visiting. You're watching us online and, and everything. I'm in the casual. What do I do? Very easy. Come back to church next week. That's your job. Come back to church next week. Hey, come to the picnic this afternoon. Come meet some of us. Talk with me. I can't walk real well. I can't get around, but come talk to me. I'll be sitting there. I'm easy to find because I'm not moving much, Okay. Come talk to me. I'd love to get to know you. Come to church next week. If you're in the casual, that's what you do. That's how you move to the right. All right? So people say, I'm in the crowd. What do I do? Okay? I'm in the crowd. I've been here twice. I like this place. Um, This is what I want to suggest to you. Get baptized. Become a believer in Jesus Christ. What are you waiting for? Uh, we want to suggest that you go to starting point, which is our, our entry point into the church. I teach it. We, it's usually right after church. We'll be doing another one in the fall. Uh, we've done two already this spring uh, with new people coming in. Um, so go to starting point, uh, and, and, and that, that's what you do. Join the church. Come be a part of our church family. That's what you got to do, all right? Number three, I'm in the community. What do I do? Well, I want you to commit to the two time slots that we have here, the Sunday morning worship and a community group. That's what our vision for our church people are. Okay, commit to those two time slots. Okay, uh, we, uh, Sunday, like I said, Sunday morning and community group. I want you to tithe. I want you to give. I want you to support the ministries of this church. If this is your church family, then, uh, then start tithing. Um, we're starting a parenthood marriage track. On Wednesday nights, I'm going to be teaching up in my office when children's ministry is here and youth ministry is happening, I'm going to be teaching a parenthood class starting in the fall. Um, also, emphasizing marriage. If, that is, if, if you're a parent, if, you're mar- if, if you are married, I'd love to see you in that on Wednesday nights uh, at 7 o'clock. I want to suggest that for you to start, bringing, start incorporating biblical principles into your home. Okay, um, we also have a spiritual disciplines track that we want you to get involved in. Okay, um, and so that's step one: uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, we also have some uh, Uversion Bible reading plans that we'd like you to get involved. With. We can recommend those to you. Those are the things if you're in the community we want you to be doing. Okay, so that you're growing, so that you're moving forward. Right, number four: I'm in the core. What do I do? Okay, I've gotten all those things. I'm in a, I'm in a community group. You know, I'm tithing. I'm a, I've committed to two time slots. That's it, right? No, 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 no. No, that's not it. That's barely scratching the surface. You're in the core now, baby. What's this? This is what you do. We want you to serve in a ministry. We constantly need uh, help over in children's ministry. What could be more important than building faith in the next generation of believers? Serving in children's ministry, you're not doing babysitting. You are teaching, you're making disciples out of people that God has brought to this church. Go serve there once a month. Um, Maybe commit to a mission trip. 
We have uh, a mission trip going out of here on Saturday to Honduras. They're going to teach in a camp there, JK and, and, uh, and Rowan Bickert and Tim Bickert and Adam Tipton. Uh, and uh, who else is going? That's it. Okay, very cool. A great team going down there to teach in a camp and make disciples down there. Then there's a team going to Nepal. Uh, me, my, my son Sam, uh, Rowan, our youth minister, uh, Matt Stevens and Ross Mann, we're all going there uh, to, to do, continue on the work of ministry there. Commit to a mission trip. Get out of America and see what, see what faith looks like. Lived out in other places. Be blessed and be a blessing. Start, start moving out of that. Then we want to um, uh, recommend step two, spiritual disciplines. More difficult spiritual disciplines like silence, like, like um, uh, uh, meditation and things like that that go just beyond the other, the kind of the prayer and the study. All right? And then five, I'm in the committed. What do I do? We talked about that last week. I want you to look for a personal ministry. Somebody said that, that your personal ministry, your calling, is where your passion meets a worldwide need. What are you passionate about? How can we use that passion to build the kingdom, build God's kingdom, to do what you do God's will? Begin making disciples. Find someone in this church who needs you. Find someone who's younger than you or who is not as spiritually mature as you and say, you know what, let's just start meeting once a week. Let's start meeting once a month. You know, come over for dinner, whatever. I just want to kind of pour into you. I want to mentor you. I want to disciple you. I, want to, I, I see so much potential in you. Find someone here. You don't even have to go out there. Find someone here and, and start to make disciples who can make disciples. Uh, possibly investigate a call into ministry. I'd love to talk with you about maybe going into ministry, being our next church planter. Um, three, three people just in the last six years have done that. Rob Harlemert went and planted a church. He was our youth minister here. Donovan Gregory grew up here, became our youth minister. Rowan, now from our church, is now in ministry. Guys, we need the pipeline moving people into ministry, into full-time ministry. So if that's where you are, um, step up and lead in the church. Step up and lead. Don't wait around for direction from me or from JK, from start, start leading. Start leading. That's what, and, and begin reaching back into the casual, bringing people to church, inviting people to church. We have plenty of open seats, you all. They need people. They need to be filled. They need to be people, part of our church family. So if you're committed, you're in the core community, start bringing people in and begin moving to the right. You'll be hearing a lot more about this in the fall. Just remember, you never, ever stay put. Don't become like those houses that were once amazing, beautiful, new, and through neglect and just leaving them alone turned into what you saw. I hate that that is the situation of faith of so many people because they have fallen off and they haven't moved. Remember, Christianity is like a bicycle. If you're not moving forward, you're falling off. Okay? Let's kick the growth into high gear. Let's find where we are and let's move to the right.